0: Welcome to the Agents Who Crush It in Real Estate podcast, where you'll hear the good, the bad, and the ugly of how real estate agents overcame challenges and grew their business. Check out the episode notes at crushitinre.com slash podcast. Now here's your host, Lindsay Favaza.
1: Welcome back to the Agents Who Crush It in Real Estate podcast. I am sitting across right now from Darlene Yumina. She is an agent here at Lamaki Realty, and I am so excited to have you today. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be here too. Of course, I had to invite you. We're talking about agents who crush it in real estate, and you've been someone that ever since I started at this company, I've been watching, and you're so freaking consistent. It's ridiculous, and you're a top producer and consistent. It's not like you know you're. You're in 10 to 15 range and you're consistent. You're truly at a top producer level and you're consistent. Now I know you're also very humble, so saying stuff like that makes you uncomfortable, it I know does, It does. It does. <laughs> it so does. But at the same time, there's a lot of people out there that would love to be in your shoes. So, let's start from the beginning. Take us back to when you first got into real estate, why you decided to get into real estate, and explain kind of how that path worked for you.
2: Okay, well, originally I mean I've been licensed since 07 and I actually started out way back um, when it was McGill Lamakia with them as a buyer's agent and I had gotten into it because I thought it was fun and you know it was fun. But at the time I had just gotten married and I wanted to be home cooking dinner for my new husband and the market was just about to turn and so I took a break and I have my kids and at that point, you know, in 2013, uh, I was in a really, I shouldn't say I, we as a family were in some really um, deep, deep financial struggles. So over those years, I had three kids and my oldest child um, was is sick. He has an autoimmune disorder that we were in and out of the hospital all the time trying to regulate. We had to go to the National Institute of Health in Washington um, because they were the only ones that knew how to deal with it. So there were trips back and forth to Washington and... Um, and my husband was a police officer at the time. And he had a fixed income. Um, so even if he could do details, it was still not enough for both of us. I could not work. I was the primary caregiver. And in the meantime, he ended up getting sick and he had time taken from work and he had to take time off three months for a surgery. Um, and so we literally, we, we ended up claiming bankruptcy. There was no way out of our medical debt. We had racked up quite a few credit cards um, because with me not working, we, you know, our cash was going to pay the mortgage. But soon enough, we were behind on our mortgage. So we claimed bankruptcy. We sold our house. Um, It was unrelated, but um, after the bankruptcy, we sold our house. And what Uh, year was this? This was 13. 2013, guys. Yes. So um, I had a four-year-old, a sick four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a newborn. After we sold our house, and we made like, you know, for us, it was like, life changing money we thought at the time I think we made like $10,000 on our house but we finally weren't upside down after you know the to walk away with
1: something was nice
2: and um, and we went to rent and I was miserable renting 100% miserable. And I had grown up renting and I think it struck some sort of chord with me that it was like after owning and going back to renting and I had no control and I felt like our life was just on the wrong path. And so I said to my husband with a four month old, I was like, okay, we, I need to get back into real estate now. And he's like, why now would you think yes. this is a good time? <laughs> like we well, barely... you weren't
1: working at the time though anyways, right? Yeah. No so, working. So you weren't working anyway. So why not take that? Risk, right? And I mean, you know, if you had That's a I nine to five and you were getting out of it, that
2: would be more scary right. to me, right? So I was like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna do this. Might as well do it. And so, for me, like the only the only way to turn our ship around was to start working. And and I knew I loved real estate, and I knew it was there for a reason, and I really wanted a house again. And so I threw all of myself into it, and it was beyond challenging. So within six months or so. We had our first house, um, and that just made me feel better anyway. I was like, yeah. okay, we have our first house. We bought That's this amazing. really cute foreclosure back in Framingham where we wanted to be. Um, it was in great shape. We fixed it up. And so during those years, we just had to chip away at all of our you know, financial burden because then even worse if we claimed bankruptcy. And we were still, because after we claimed bankruptcy, I still wasn't working. So after that, we still had financial um, debt and we still had medical bills. It wasn't as severe. Yeah, but You claim bankruptcy, that doesn't mean you're out of the woods. Right. Like, like we you still, still have money. to rebuild. Absolutely. So, um, so really, I just... It was true, true grit, and it was such hard work, and it was a lot of sacrifice, and I spent a lot of time away from my kids, a lot of weekends away from my kids, a lot of nights away from my kids, a lot of missed bedtime stories and tuck-ins. Um, but it was truly the only way out for us. Um, And so I did turn that ship around. And so I started selling. um, So my first year, I sold four homes. My second year, I sold 13 homes. And then um, my third year, I sold 50. And since then, it's been about 50 since 2015. Four to 13 to 50. I was so proud of myself with like even four. I remember coming. I got my um, 1099 in the mail. And I was like, ah, Andy. You know, that's my husband's (laughs) name. I'm like, oh, my God, I made us 26. $26,000 this year I was so excited I'm like me I made it yes. I made $26,000 now it was interesting because before kids and everything you know I, I was a successful business person yeah. I did HR I was an HR manager um, a recruiter so I had made more than $26,000 in my life but it felt so insurmountable but after what you had been through yes yeah. and you know it was like okay I kept everybody alive and I made $26,000 yeah. and I was so proud of myself and then when I made it to 13 i am like whoa this is crazy I sold 13 houses this year mm-hmm. um And obviously, you know, commissions went up with that. And then 50, 50, 50, 50. So um, so it's been quite the ride. But that motivation, you know, that was... And so from there, it was all these different things. You know, so, okay, we were in our first house, and then I wanted to fix it up. And then we kind of outgrew that house, and it was, we need a bigger house. And so I was working towards that. And then the bigger house needed stuff. And then I really, really, you know, growing up, I always wanted a Cape house. I used to, you know, say like, how come? Because everyone in my family or not everyone in my family, my friends, they all had Cape houses. The holidays would come around. They'd be like, I'm going to the Cape. And I was like spitting nails at home <laughs> in my blow up pool being like, why do I not have a Cape house? <laughs> um, and I know that sounds a little bratty, but it, it was just always. It been, doesn't at
1: all. I was going to say to you, actually, when you were, just talking about this I don't I I hope that someone isn't listening to this going well yeah she had something horrible happen where she had to you know claim bankruptcy. So that's what motivated her. Well, the reality is you can find that within whatever, where you are, right? So you don't have to go through a bankruptcy to like hit that low point, right? Like you don't have to hit that. Just think about what What, your goals are and let that motivate you, you know? So when you say getting a Cape house, like, yeah, Yeah. there might be someone that's like, I just want a real house. Well, okay, that's your motivation. And then guess what? Someday you'll be wanting the Cape house too,
2: you know? And I, I just felt like I was, like, I remember actually, um, we had a training and, um, one of the, or uh, we had somebody in they were talking about just their, um, younger, like what they had dreamt for themselves when they were younger and not letting that person down. And I was sitting there and I was like, well, when I was younger, I wanted a Cape house and I'm not going to let that little girl down because I want a Cape house and it's okay to want a Cape house. Absolutely. And I do think sometimes it's, you know, especially as women sometimes it's hard to feel like you can dream big and be very vocal about that and share your goals with people and um, so I made that decision and so shortly after you know a couple years later we we bought a cape house Um, and a small little cape house but I love it to pieces and it. Checked my box for the little girl that I was like, okay, now I have a house that I'm comfortable in. I have a cape house, um, and so now, and and that was you know supposed to be partially investment too. So now, like, I look at my motivation. And I'm like, okay, I got to look at college. I have to look at retirement, which is less fun. I know. But it's still super, super important. So it was, you know, getting us back on track. And then, and also, I mean, for years too, I was like catching up with the IRS because I think that's a huge thing for new agents. You know, you get all these big checks and you're trying to catch up and you're like, well, I need all of that commission right now. That next commission check, I'll, I need, you I'll know, pay off that those. That $6,000, like I need, that's my mortgage. I'm going to pay off my credit card. And you don't think about, you have to, have to, have to be so disciplined. So I wasn't. And so I had to play catch up with the IRS too. So, So it's, you know, finally,
0: so there's always some sort of carrot, I think, that keeps you motivated. Let's take a quick break and hear from Dave Carolee, the master of objection handling, as he teaches you how to overcome buyer and seller
3: concerns. All right. So when someone tells me, hey, I'm not ready to sign anything yet, sometimes, you know, obviously this comes up during the actual call. Sometimes this comes up towards the beginning of the appointment. It's like, oh, my God, I'm not going to sign anything today. Right. And some people won't. But some people they're just telling you that, that's their defense mechanism. So when you hear that, my immediate response was has always been, who mentioned anything about signing anything? I, I didn't mention anything. I didn't mention contract, I didn't mention any paperwork. What has you concerned about signing something? But what might be helpful to you is why don't we get together for, I call it a free, no obligation home selling consultation. What I'll be able to do is go over some what to do's to get ready and some what not to do's. You don't want to waste your hard earned time and money on things that wouldn't be needed especially in a market like this you don't want to spend $2,000 on your home to get $2,000 back so why don't we get together even a couple weeks out maybe next week the following week I'll come by it'll take about 30 minutes. I think those tips will be very helpful for you. No one ever mentioned anything about signing anything. Get in front of people sooner, do a good job, send them market updates, send them newsletters, send them postcards. And even if they're not going to be listing for longer than you'd like, they will come back to you in the time. Don't, don't push them out. Oh, they're not ready to list yet. My time's too valuable. No, 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 no. They will come around. And sometimes you get there and you can actually sign them up on the spot.
0: Thanks, Dave. Now let's get back to the show.
1: So I absolutely love this. So your hustle and your motivation is what got you there. I want to talk about how that kind of translates now into keeping it up every year. Because for a lot of agents, they might have that, you know, 4 to 13 to 50. And then the next year, it's 25. Or the next year, it's 30 sales. So how do you keep that level of business? What do you do to keep in contact with your clients? Like, what are those tactical things that you do to make sure that that business doesn't drop?
2: So I think um, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about like the middle year years a little bit. So, and I call it the climb because I feel like it's like raw grit, hard work. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's 24 seven. It's so, yeah. And it's still 24 seven, but you know, it's a little bit different now. So I was taking advantage of all of our lead products, um, with my brokerage and mm-hmm. Yep. Are still allowed to say the brokerage Absolutely name? Absolutely you are. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, wait it's a second. It's clearly going to state that remember. You are with Realty. the rules. Yeah. So, um, right. So I was blessed to be in a brokerage that, first of all, really, really supports everybody's goals. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like they want, really, really want you to succeed. But so as part of that, there's lots of different lead products. So I realized early on, um, you know, I had to switch. So the first year I was not on lead products for um, sales. So, I mean, that even shows. It still translates to today. Yeah. Couldn't do it on my own. I thought, oh, wow, I'm so competent. People know me from my last professional life. They're totally going to hire me. And they knew that we were kind of in a tough position. So I was like, oh, this is so great because people are going to be like, I can help them yes. by hiring her. Yeah. And so, don't you know, there were crickets. Yeah. <laughs> and I was kind of bummed. I'm like, shoot. So the next year I went on the lead products and I realized, so they were, you know, cold buyer leads and they weren't fun. I got myself through it by saying, you know, someone else technically is paying for these leads. Essentially, these are Anthony's leads. Mm -hmm. And so I need to be Anthony when I'm calling them. I need to... If I'm promising to do this, like, I need to think of it that way and just need to get over myself and know know that this is his money that I'm protecting. I signed up to do this. And that really did help me get out of my own way, I think. And then the second thing we talked about kind of earlier on, I am such a wallflower. I don't enjoy public spotlight at all. Killed me to walk down my aisle at at my wedding. Like, I just, (laughs) this is just me. So, but in real estate, you have to be public. You have to embrace your public side. You're a leader within that transaction and with those clients. You're helping to guide them. Yeah. And that part I love, you know, especially like I'm an extroverted introvert. So Mm -hmm. people that know me are like, no way are you an introvert. And I'm like, I know it's really confusing. But if you put me in a room, I'm going to be in the back of the room if (laughs) I don't know anybody. So I had to be very, very public about the transactions that I was closing. And so the only way to do that really, especially at the time, was Facebook. So I was so, I mean... Every single sale I was closing, it was out on Facebook. It was boosted. Facebook boosted. Facebook boosted. Because I didn't want anybody to be saying, like, is she still doing real estate? Absolutely. I was like, no, she's absolutely doing real estate. Yep. And she's closing properties. So there was never, ever a question. And that definitely took a lot for me to get over.
1: Um, yeah, there's a lot of agents that are afraid to talk about those successes because they don't want to feel show off Right. And they don't want to feel, like, braggy or anything like that. Right. you've got to get out of that and out of your head.
2: And and I'm back there there and it's back in my head. I feel, but when you're on the climb, quote unquote, like you have no choice. You You have no
1: choice. No choice. Success-based marketing, it works so much better. And they have to know that not only are you... You know, people get on there and they do videos, right? There's a bunch of people now doing TikToks and doing all these videos and these reels and things like that, which is great because it shows that you have knowledge. Right. But unless there's actually seeing that you're closing deals. Right.
2: It's going to be hard to believe it. It's kind of empty. Exactly. Unsubstantiated in a way. So you have to talk about it. You have to. Right. So... During that time, you know, taking advantage of any and all lead products that your company offers you, absolutely don't think twice about it. Don't think about what the splits are. Don't think about anything because it's such an important key to climbing because if I didn't, you know, yes, you're making less of a split when it's a company lead, but someone else is paying for them. So obviously, and you need that as a stepping stone to be like, here, I sold this, I sold this, I sold this. And so finally my sphere started to pay attention and they were like, oh, well maybe we can trust her now. Yeah. And you know, I hear some of these stories. We have Kevin Cormier who... Friggin' killed it in he his first it. year. Crazy. And I still... So here I am, right? We talked about... I've been consistent. I sell 50 or so homes a year. And I was, like, jealous of his first year. Because I'm like, his fear, like, hugged him back. trusted him yes. immediately. Yeah. And I'm still better at my 2014 sphere. I'm like, where were you people? <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you Kevin Cormier? Yeah. Like, what the heck? <laughs> so anyways. um, And so now... So now we're through those middle years and now it's making myself stay relevant. Um, and it is very hard. And I think a lot of it has to do with again, I'm I am a wallflower. I am inclined to not be on video. I know that kills Lindsay. <laughs> she's like, you need to be on video. Because she's so
1: good at it, which is the part that kills me. Cause there's some times where I'm like, Yeah, maybe video is not your thing. <laughs> but like, it is your thing. So that's the part that uh, kills well, me. Well, I'm gonna try
2: to do some stuff this year. I'm really, really trying. I made it a goal. I'm gonna try to overcome this piece of me. I feel like anything that doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Absolutely. You know, like it's just a good growth thing mm-hmm. for yeah. me. Um, but in the meantime, the biggest thing I do, is so aside from still Facebook, Instagram, boosting, I, I'm a little bummed out about our new boosting rules. They're not even new anymore, but I call them new. But it's still, you know, even if it's a 15 mile range, who cares? Yeah. So a certain amount of those people are still the ones right next door, right in your town. Yeah. Um, and who cares if you get a listing 15 miles away? I'd certainly don't. Yeah. I'll take any listing anywhere. <laughs> exactly. um, so, so there's that. And then um, what else do you do to keep up with your clients? Right. Thank you. Like, Cause that was the, the avenue I was going and I'm yeah, like, what yeah. was I just going to say? So it is very important to me. So all of my business for the most part now is, Um, referral based, which I love because I fall in love with my clients. I like them. They tend to be, you know, your vibe attracts your tribe. I believe that to like the nth degree. So thankfully, so one of the biggest things that I do is making sure I keep in touch with my sphere my past clients. I love my past clients. They become family. And thankfully, like, and I totally believe your vibe attracts your tribe. I attract the people I want to work with, which is great. Not everyone's cut out for everybody. You know, I, I like people kind of like me. I tend to attract families with young kids. And that's a very, you know, difficult transaction. It's a lot of selling and buying at the same time. It's challenging, but I love it. It's like my Mm -hmm. geeky thing that I want to throw myself into. (laughs) Um, And so I understand like that their house is a mess and I understand that nights are late and I understand that they're going to text me at 3 a.m. And I tell them, I'm like, hey, if I'm up at 3 a.m., I'll answer you. Mm -hmm. If I'm not, you're not going to wake me up. So after our transactions close, I like need them still. Like they're my people. So I, without like... (laughs) to scare people too much, but I'm like, you're going to be family when this is over. You're going to be my friend. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to stay friends. Yeah. So I make sure that I do some sort of client appreciation event every year. Um, and so even, you know, that was hard during the pandemic, but so earlier on, I think I started my first one in 16, it might've been 17. I did cornhole tournaments and food trucks. Yes. Um, it was so fun. So fun. It was so much fun. And then, um, I did a duck boat tour one year, and that was my biggest year so far. And I was like, let's celebrate like champions. Oh, we had so much fun. Then we had a taco party after. Um, And so during the pandemic, I did... um Christmas photos. So outdoor Christmas photos. And that was That's great. brilliant because yep. I was like, I'm still seeing you. I'm still seeing your families. Nobody is yep. at risk. Um, it was super successful. We had a great time, I think, because it, it was, you know, it was October 2020. So it was still pretty bad. And then this year I did, well, 2021, um, a wreath party for this year's clients. So I kept it small. So I didn't get to do my wide reach, yep. but I made sure that I was like appreciating this year's clients. We did wreath making. We had a blast. It was so much fun. And then I always do Thanksgiving pies, um, pop. From time to time when people are there. Like I'll have like little chatskis for holidays or whatever the case may be. I don't do a ton of that because in New England. I think even my people that I love to pieces, none of us are like super friendly. You hear the doorbell ring and you're like, I'm yeah, diving behind my couch. Yeah. I'm not answering that door. And we're also so used to being in like our lounge clothes. Like I get I home know. and I'm like, okay, yeah, oh, leggings are on.
1: Straight into PJs. Yep, yeah.
2: Yeah. So, you know, so I feel like even my people, like I can't just be like, ding dong, yeah. I'm here. Yeah. Um, but that's a huge piece of, of getting business that you want once you are through the climb. Um, You know, I always set a goal that I I personally think the best thing you can do for your business is being the best you can be during a transaction. So anytime you're like, "Okay, I feel like I'm not getting new clients. I feel like what should I be doing? Facebook isn't enough. And I mean, I start to get this panic all the time. And I was like, I can do a good job for my clients today. That is the best thing I can do today because they're going to go and tell somebody else. So my goal is to always have a transaction that... People want to be repeated. And my clients say all the time, like, I wish we could buy and sell a house again. And I'm like, I wish you could, too. But you're nice and happy right now. Yeah. Um, so really, those are the things I do now to maintain my business. I love it. And I love that, you know, your kids are seeing not only what you
1: went through before and they're seeing, you know, how you overcame it, especially your daughter. Right. They're seeing how you overcame it. But now they're seeing that you are successful and that you're giving back to the people that have helped you to get there, which I think is just a great thing for them to see as well.
2: Yeah. And then speaking of giving back, that just reminded me, which is terrible. Um, so every year I also do a giving tree, which is um, also I involve my clients. So we, we do a giving tree for single moms in Metro West that are struggling. So I interview single moms. It kills me, too, because like I hate interviewing. I wish I could just get like four moms that just land on my desk <laughs> (laughs) Because it's so hard to say no. No, I I hate it. So um, single moms, because my mom was a single mom and I watched her literally like she put herself through college. She bought her first home um, and it was really impressive. And, And I know what it was like to be a daughter of a single mom. And it was great. And I just know that it was hard for her. So I'm like, how can I help really, you know? So we do, um, I say to like lighten the weight of their slaves at the holiday season. And so this year I did start my own foundation. Um, so my whole undertone, which is... Patented is Love Where You Live in Massachusetts. Um, and so I made the Give Where You Live Foundation to go along with that. Um, and of course, it'll be, you know, regular charities throughout the year, but with a big push for the Giving Tree in December. And my clients, that's another way that I keep in touch with them, which I love so much because they end up bringing me presents or they're like, can you swing by and pick this up? I really want to stay engaged. I want to be involved. And I love that so much. Yeah. So finding stuff that connects
1: with you and then giving back in a meaningful way is also a great way to... <laughs> grow your business I know it sounds self-serving but it makes you feel good and it's helping others and on top of that your clients and your friends and your sphere see that you're caring about the community and like that's super important to your
2: community so that kind of shifted for me maybe four years ago so I was thinking about I was looking at all these lead products and, and I tell a lot of agents this like they call me they're like what can I do and I was like give back to your community go sponsor a baseball team um you know, like little things. I used to give like little um, gifts to when we used to do more events. So yeah. this is one of those things. But they're coming up. More they're events coming are coming back. back up. They're coming back. So um, for one of our school events, I did. I gave out a chocolate party. So they were doing Charlie and the Chocolate Factory um, play, and I decided to give out a chocolate party as part of like the raffle. And so obviously I sponsored it, and um, it was a huge hit. So like little stuff like that, that. You're like you're giving back to. You know, it helped put on the play. Yeah. And my kids weren't even in the play, so yeah. it's not like like a lot of people are like. I I don't have kids or I don't have kids that are involved in activities. You don't need still them. Still find something that you care
1: about. and Exactly.
2: A group that you're willing to help. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And it, and that's what will get your name out in the community and it makes you feel good because you're like, I do want to give, I like, I can't. And I've had a lot of agents even tell me, they're like, for the Giving Tree, I had one agent that I love. He actually owns a brokerage out in Metro West. And he showed up and he's like, agents don't do this. He's like, "I," and he showed up to give me money for it. And I'm like, that's huge. These are the people that I want to be connected with me because he's not saying I'm not going to give to her fundraiser because it benefits her. Because we don't think of it as benefiting us. We think of it as helping the community. Uh,
1: One more question for you today. And that is, what advice would you give to an agent who is maybe in this 4 to 13 range. Let's go back to where you were, you know, before you had your breakout, right? In that 4 to 13 range. And they're struggling and they don't know what to do to get them to that next level. What would be your biggest piece of advice of something to focus on?
2: So I think that if I look at me at that range, I was still afraid of the phone. I hated the phone. And to be completely honest, I don't love the phone now, but... I know it's part of my job. Like anytime I need to make things happen, it's like you have to pick up the phone and you have to dial. You cannot make it happen on social media. You take whatever leads you have and you get on the phone and you call them until you reach somebody. And I think you can get so easily set in this like mindset that no one's going to pick up the phone. Nothing's going to happen. And I mean, like one of my clients I still talk to, I think it was during that four to 13. I think it was in the 13 year. Mm -hmm. She was a lead from the end of the year essentially a revival dial before we did technical revival dials. Um, and I never expected her to pick up. It was like nine months later. And she's like, oh, I am looking for a house. And can we go out this weekend? And we had her under agreement in a day. And it's like, Amazing. you don't know what you're talking to on the other end of the phone. Now and you're looking at those lists as gold instead of looking at them. now. Yeah. Right. It's like someone might have decided they were going to buy a house during COVID and then been like, no, it's not safe. Yeah. They might have decided last year, OK, it's safe enough for me, but I'm I'm going on the bench because this is hard to do like there's people that duck out for any any reason and they're not gonna bite you through the phone if they hang up on you, big deal. Who like, cares? Who cares? So what, like who what they're not gonna You've nothing, nothing to lose.
1: Nothing's gonna happen if they hang up on you. Other right. than you're gonna have that moment of like, ugh and then you're gonna move on to the next right. one. Right. And then you know what? When you do get that person on the phone that ends up purchasing within a week after, right? That's gonna wash away all the nose. Exactly. All the hang ups.
2: And I, I think I think it's so hard to get in your head and, and be negative. Or it's so easy, I guess, yeah. to get in your head and be negative. Um and overcoming that, you have to shift your mindset. You have to. You have no choice. If you're in this business and you stay negative, and it's okay to be negative sometimes. You have to. It's, it's a tough business. Yeah. There's dips and valleys. But you cannot stay in the negative headspace because nothing good will happen. Yeah. There's no way to get through it. So I think back then I was afraid of the phone and also kind of like, is this going to work? And you have to just proceed as if success is inevitable. And just if this is what you want, you do it, you go get it, you make those dials, you work hard, and you do what it takes. Love it.
1: Well, Darlene, thank you so much. I so appreciate you sitting with me today. And thank you all for listening. And we'll see you on the next Agents Who Crush It in Real Estate podcast. Thank you.
0: Thanks for joining us on the Agents Who Crush It in Real Estate podcast. We hope you've learned some valuable takeaways be sure to take action and grow your business. You can check out the episode notes and more content from the show at crushitinre.com slash podcast. And if you like this episode and you'd like to hear more stories, please share with others, post on social media, or leave a rating or review. To catch all the latest from Anthony, you can follow him on Instagram at Crush Real Estate on Facebook and YouTube. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.